The past few Sundays, we've been talking about the Bible. We talked about bread, that the Bible is our nourishing, sustaining daily food from God. It's what nourishes us, what gives us strength. We talked about water. The title of today is the breath of God. The Bible is the very breath of God. And so it's like air. So the Bible is like food and water and air, uh, things that we need to be sustained. We said last week, you know, we talked about how long can you go without food? Most experts say 40 to 80 days. So how long can you go without water? Experts say 4 to 14 days. But how long can you go without air? I mean, not very long. Not very long at all. Just a few minutes, maybe. Okay. We, and I've, I'm, what I'm trying to lay out for you today is we have a lot of malnourished, dehydrated, and oxygen-deprived Christians. They're not eating their bread, they're not drinking their water, and they're not breathing in the air or the breath of God. So let me show you today why we call it the breath of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture. Now, before we go on, I want you to notice the word all. Not some of it, but all, it says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, the Greek word that is translated by the inspiration of God is the Greek word theonoustos. I said it right. I was holding my breath saying that myself. Theonoustos. It's a compound word. Uh, Theo or theos uh, is the Greek word for God. Noustos comes from the Greek word pneuma, which means breath. And then noustos means breathed. So this word Theonoustos means God breathed. As a matter of fact, one of the versions actually translates it literally. It's the NIV. It says it's all, it says all scripture is God breathed. Now, that means it's given by inspiration. God breathed. And again, pneuma. Think of the Greek word, uh, breath air. We have words today in our language that uh, come from that. Pneumonia means you're having a problem with your breathing. Pneumatic is an air drill, a pneumatic drill, an air drill. Pneumatic nail gun powered by air. Uh, It runs on air. And so all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. But here's what we need to know. It's breathed by God. Now, that's what we call the inspiration of Scripture. It's not simply God giving somebody a good idea. Inspiration, the word inspire 
means literally to breathe into. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit, uh, breathed out the word of God. In fact, many times the Holy Spirit is called the breath of God. And uh, if you'll recall, whenever uh, Jesus was about to leave, it says he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the spirit. All these things are intertwined. Jesus is the word of God. Uh, he, and he is the Bible manifested in the flesh. He is God's will and God's word come into this world. And so you see, uh, it all ties together in creation. Uh, it says that apart from Jesus, nothing was made, but it also said that the spirit hovered over the waters. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all involved in creation. And so uh, he breathed his life, his spirit into men. He breathed his words into them. They wrote what they were inspired or filled with by the breath of God. And you have to know, uh, you, you need to know this, because the big deal now, nowadays, is the inerrancy of Scripture. You know, how can the Bible say it contains, how can you say it doesn't have any errors? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's from the very mouth of God. It can't have errors in it. If you deny the inerrancy of Scripture, you're also going to deny the inspiration of scripture because you can't have it both ways. You can't say that it came out of the mouth of God and that it has errors because God is perfect. He doesn't make errors. And so you have to deny both. If it has errors, then you can pick and choose which parts you think are right. And I have seen people that were that arrogant in fact, there was a uh, some sort of a thing they called it the Jesus Seminar, where they would uh, vote by putting white or black balls in a. I think there are five of them in a in a some sort of a deal box or something, and vote on whether these were really the words of Jesus or not. And that is arrogance. Whenever you think that you can do it, if there was one black ball, they cast it out. So uh, anyway, I can't believe the sheer arrogance of a person that thinks that they can judge the word of God. As a matter of fact, you actually should be fearful for your life because you don't judge this book, but you will be judged by this book one day. This book is going to judge you. And you'd better be careful what you say, because this book, apparently, according to Scripture, it says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, if you, if you recall, said that anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Uh, not in this time, nor in the age to come. So, let me tell you something here. We were born again 
by the word of God, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible that uh, seed that lives and abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The angels' uh, might and strength watch over the word of God to perform it, the Bible says. The word of God will always return to the Lord, and it will never return void, but will always accomplish what God wants it to. It's life to those who find it. It's health to their whole body. It's sweeter than honey. It's purer than gold. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and divides between the soul and spirit. The word of God stands forever. Now, I can't make you believe in God. As a matter of fact, the only way that you could be saved is by grace through what? Faith. Faith, yes, faith. You're going to have to have faith to believe in God. And I can't make you believe in God. You have to choose. I can't make you believe that the Bible is the word of God. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, once you believe in God, your life is changed. And once you receive that this is the word of God, your life will be changed even more. It's changed forever because you have a standard now, which the world needs so badly. And you also have life. Now, Ezekiel 37 is uh, the passage that we're looking at today. There are 10 verses here, and uh, we're going to go through quickly through Four points about these 10 verses. Verse one says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones. Now notice, and this is Halloween. You can see skeletons all over the place. It says these were not skeletons. It says they're bones, okay? The bones are unattached, just a, a whole field full of bones. It says, then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered and said, O oh Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. And notice there's power when God speaks. Surely, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied 
and I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. So now then, yes, they have become skeletons. Okay. So now then they're skeletons. And the, he continues, Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and skin covered over them. Now they look like human beings, you see. But there was no breath in them. And he said, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come up from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. So four points. Point number one, the breath of God brings understanding. This is so important. The breath of God brings understanding. Verse 3, and all these are going to come out of chapter 37. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. There are a lot of things that we don't know. There are a lot of things that we don't understand. There are a lot of things in the Bible we don't understand. But you believe by faith, not by understanding. In other words, here's what he said. It's like the Lord said, is it logically possible, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel said, I don't have a clue, but you do. You know. So how about this one? What if God can make a... What if God said... Can a man walk on water? I don't know, but you know, you see. Uh, or how about this? How can a man walk on water? I don't know that either. But I know that if you want to walk on water, you can walk on water. And if you can cause, and, and also you can cause another human being to walk on water. Job 37, 8, uh, Job says there, but there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. How many times have you made this statement? Maybe just in your heart, you know, if I could just understand what I was going through right now. If I could just understand what God's trying to teach me right now. Have you ever said that to yourself? Have you ever wondered that? If I could just understand, this is what gives you understanding. This is what gives you understanding. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, live with your wives with understanding. It's a command. But can you do it? I mean, there's a joke, there's a story told about this, about uh, there was one man, he was so upright and righteous that the Lord just appeared to him and said, you know, 
I just really want to bless you especially. And uh, so what would you like? And he said, well, you know, I really don't like to fly and I'm scared to get on ships, but I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. So I would love it if you would build a bridge from uh, Los Angeles to Honolulu, Hawaii. That would be just great, God. And the Lord said, what? A bridge? Do you do you know all the barriers? How deep that the pilots are going to have to be? Uh, it's going to have to withstand all this stuff. Uh, ships are going to have to be able to get through from time to time. The whales and you know, the, you know, the whole geothermic thing of the world is at stake here. You put it's going to. Then why don't why don't isn't there something else that you'd really like? And the guy said, "Okay, I have always wanted to understand women. I would just just give me that." Help me to understand women. There was a silence in heaven. And then the voice said, how many lanes wide did you want that bridge? <laughs> now, the thing is, you are never going to understand your wife. But you will understand your wife if you will read this book. Now, uh, let me just go back and say to the ladies, because I know you're thinking, listen, he's weirder than I am. And that's true. <laughs> it's true. You'll never under, be able to understand a man until you read this book. Let me say it this way. Read the owner's manual from the manufacturer. That's how you understand. This is what gives understanding. And it is amazing. It is true with husbands and wives. If you will read what it tells you and quit just, uh, and don't read it. Uh, don't go to Ephesians 5 and read, you know, well, God just didn't give me a, a Christian woman. Read it to see what a Christian man's supposed to be like if you're a man. And you start being the man that you're supposed to be and that he's, he tells you to be there, you start being the wife that he says to be there. And you know what? You're going to be loving each other and living a life of joy together. Because that's just the way it works. Now then, it's this, the owner's manual. But it's your own your owner's manual. And as you read it about you, you're going to understand other people too. And if you don't, God does, and he's going to help you. So point number two, uh, the breath of God brings order. If you need order in any point in your life, it's the breath of God that will bring it. Remember, all scripture is God breathed. So what I'm saying, scripture, if you will start reading it with an open heart, it will bring order. Scripture brings understanding. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rustling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. The bones became skeletons, 
from the breath of God, from the prophecy, from the word of God. I spoke God's word and order came to the chaos. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Genesis 1.23 says, The word was without form, it was void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Why did something come into order when God spoke? Because when you speak, you breathe. The breath of God brought order to chaos. And it can do that in your life. Now, I'm not saying this is not a talisman. This is not magic. And it's going to point you to Jesus and draw you closer to him and let you see how much you need him and how much he wants to do for you. So you don't, it's not magic. It's the Holy Spirit of God at work, and he works in a special way when you love him enough to want to understand what he wants you to do. Remember the first commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with some of your strength there's no with all your soul with all your heart with all your mind with every whit of your being and if you know that this is his word why aren't you going to it to find out what he has for you just for today number three the breath of god brings strength now i told you you could go through them uh, anyway, the breath of God brings strength. Ezekiel 37, 6, I will put sinews on you. Verse 8, indeed, as I looked, the sinews in the flesh came upon them. A sinew is the tendon that connects the muscle to the bone. So let's say God brought structure and order in your life, but you need something to connect you to the power of God to the muscle, and it's the Word of God that connects you to the power of God, to the muscle. It's the Word of God that connects you. Listen to this verse. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. When you combine reading this Word with receiving the Holy Spirit, you're going to walk in the power of God. Now, here's another example of how the breath of God is, is powerful. In Exodus 15, right after they crossed the Red Sea, they sang a song. And one of the verses is uh, found in uh, Exodus 15, 8. With the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap and the depths congealed it's like it became like a wall it means it became firm the actual hebrew word means to become firm in the heart of the sea the enemy said i will pursue 
I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. Now watch this. You blew with your word, with your wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Now, I heard about a professor who was always trying to discredit the Bible and minimize miracles and, uh, you know, about how like natural things could have happened uh, uh, and, uh, and caused this instead of uh, uh, being miraculous. And there's one student that just argued with him the whole semester because he believed the Bible. He took it for what it said. If the Bible says God did it, then God did it. And so he was going through this stuff. And so uh, uh, the uh, professor said, now you need to know when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, there's one part and it's, it's really shallow. It, and this is actually part of and this. You can find this on the Internet. Uh, where people say this. And there has been a drought at that, there'd been a drought at that time in Egypt. And so where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, it was only about six inches deep. And when he said this, this student just burst out laughing. And the professor said, I, I, I just can't believe it. I'm, I'm giving you a scientific, logical explanation, and, and now you burst out laughing? And uh, the uh, student said, I don't mean to be disrespect. Respect. Uh, I can't. My tang's getting tongled. Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but that makes it even more of a miracle to me because that means the entire Egyptian army drowned in only six inches of water. Now then, the thing is, it was more than six inches of water, and they did drown there. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, I, I heard uh, a biblical archaeologist say one day that uh, if you dig, if you see a place in the Bible where it says that there was a, a battle you dig down far enough, you're going to find an arrowhead, a spear, or something that shows there was a battle there. And uh, the thing is, let's see, I found this article online. Uh, it's entitled, 20,000 Chariots Under the Sea. As discussed in the previous column, Nueva Beach is the most likely location where God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to escape the Egyptian army. According to Exodus 14, 23, 28, Pharaoh's chariots pursued the Israelites through the path God created in the Red Sea, only to be destroyed when God caused the waters to collapse upon them. It's been estimated that 20,000 chariots plus the horses that pulled them were lost with the Egyptian army at the bottom of the Red Sea. Consequently, if the Israelites crossed the Red Sea at Nueva Beach, remnants of the Egyptian army should be found at the site. Unfortunately, the Egyptian government has adopted a policy which prohibits the removal of artifacts from Nueva Beach crossing site. However, in 1970, before the Egyptian government prohibited the removal of artifacts, 
John Wyatt of Wyatt Archaeological Research conducted an expedition at Nueba Beach. Mr. Wyatt's undersea exploration revealed chariot boxes, wheels and axles, as well as human and horse skeletal remains on the sea floor at Nueba Beach. An eight-spoke wheel hub Mr. Wyatt retrieved from the site was taken to the director of Egyptian antiquities, Nasif Mohammed Hassan. After inspecting the wheel, Mr. Hassan declared that Mr. Wyatt's find was an authentic eight-spoke wheel only used during the 18th Egyptian dynasty, the dynasty that dated to the time of the Exodus. That's just half the article, but as you can see, it happened. And the chariots are still there on the bottom of the sea, along with the skeletons of horses and soldiers. So uh, that's so it's it's true. It happened. Okay. The fourth one, the last thing, the breath of God brings life. The breath of God brings life. Ezekiel 37.10. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came unto them, and they lived. They lived. Now, we read in Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. Listen, when you read this book, you get understanding. Your life comes into order. You get the power of God in your life. You get life itself. You're filled with the breath of God. Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And we read, all Scripture is breathed by God. Breath gives me life. Now, here's one that everybody knows. Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Last week we talked about water, and I ended by saying, uh, for God's sake, take a bath. You know, uh, well, for God's sake and for your sake, this week I want to tell you, eat some bread. Drink some water and breathe. Breathe the word of God. Take it in. You see, when we read God's word, we're actually breathing in the breath of God that brings life and order and understanding to our souls. I want to encourage you. I showed you uh, the scripture today that All scripture is breathed out by God because God spoke it. And then holy men of God, remember 40 writers, one author. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is God's word. So a very simple question. Did you breathe today? Did you breathe in God's word?
I want to encourage you, get in the habit of breathing in God's word every day. Find the time that works for you and let the life of God flow through you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.